Steely Dan Sember. Yeah, last nice. day of Steely Dan Sember, huh? <laughs> Boy, this one. This year's went on for a long time. Yeah, 2022 has gone on for such a long fucking time. When is the new year even happening? I think it's like, I think it's today. Today is uh, December 31st, 2022. Oh. Okay, well, uh, let's rain out Steely Dan Sember with a bang. The bang that gonna is. mail you the gun? We're going to finally mail you the gun on this final episode of Picking Up Something Good, a limited event prestige podcast about Steely Dan. Um, with me, as always this week, is myself, Nikki Flowers, and also the other guy. Uh, it's me, it's Mace. I play music as uh, Echo Vessel or something. It's been a while, I forgot. It's been a while. Uh, Nikki, how have you been doing this Steely Dan Sember uh, <laughs> since the last oh. episode of Steely Dan Sember? Well, it's been a trying question mark amount of time and uh i am just trying to survive how about yourself nikki uh, i we can't do this if you're not gonna um if you're not gonna play with me i needed you to know that i was making a reference to the counting crows and then you, you oh. i wanted you to go it's been a long december no i'm just kidding i, I don't know that how, why there's what part of me believe sorry sorry what part of me screamed to you Person who would get a Counting Crows reference. Honestly, none. Beyond the Shrek 2 of it all. Wait, did, were they on the Shrek 2 soundtrack? Wasn't that them in the beginning? Oh, yeah, that was them doing Accidentally in Love. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I... And I only know that because we had the soundtrack CD and I looked up who did it and it said Counting Crows. And I said, oh, okay, that's that band. I know, um, like, And then I st- sort of stopped there with them. I know three. I know that one. I know uh, Mrs. Jones and me. I don't know if that's a Cat and Crow song. Uh, and then I heard like... <laughs> Is that third... even a song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never heard it. Okay. And then there's um, Long December, which I heard like 10 seconds of in a commercial. I think yeah. it was for like, you know, alt-rock hits or something like that. Oh, one of those. Oh, the okay. Yeah, it was scrolling up in the list and it was highlighted yellow. So you heard a snippet of Long December. Yeah, that's how I hear most songs. Commercials, yeah. (laughs) That's how I hear most songs and how I remember, uh, Cause I'm your lady. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how am I supposed to live without you? Oh, speaking of Michael McDonald voice, we got a lot to talk about him. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. This is, none of this is Steely Dan at all, what we've just been talking about. But suffice it to say, we've had a long Steely Dan Sember. Yeah. Oh, I got it, because of Counting Crows. Okay, I get the reference now. Exactly. There you go, there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, we're, we're wrapping it up uh, with uh, the the end so far. Technically, I mean, they could, Steely Dan could come out with a, with a new album. That The band does exist in some form. We will talk about that later. We'll get to it, yeah. <laughs> um, but right now we're going to be talking about the, the 2000 album that swept... The 2001 Grammys, which we will also talk about, Two Against Nature, uh, and also 2003's Everything Must Go. Yeah, uh, but before we do, do you want to talk about like what, what, where, where we left off after the gouch? Yeah, the gouch. <laughs> so you, you thought you know they're they're on they're on top of the world with that gaucho shit, right? Yeah. Uh, it's another huge success. There was a kerfuffle 
uh, even, uh, you know, you thought there was enough kerfuffles with the production. I think we mentioned it, but they, the record company was like, hey, great job on finishing the gouch. Yeah. We are doing a, this thing where we're going to make your album like $3 more expensive than all the other albums. <laughs> We're calling it the premium pricing strategy. And Steely Dan was like, that sounds stupid. Everyone's going to get mad at us and not you. They'll blame us. And the record label's like, that's silly. They'll, they would love to give you three extra dollars. Well, it turns out Steely Dan was right. But despite that, despite the little kerfuffle with the price, it was still a big success. Everyone loved that shit. Yeah. Uh, hey 19, I think, was in the top 10. Yeah. Right? You know, uh, Time, Time Out of Mind. Mind was a slightly lesser hit. Yeah. Uh, Roger Nichols won a third Grammy for his engineering work on the album. So things are looking good for Steely Dan, except they disband in June of 1981. Just completely abruptly. They're just done. They're just, uh, they, they reach like Nirvana and then they're like, that's enough. They're done. And, you know, I, I think they kind of got sick of each other, honestly. Yeah. I think after recording Gouch, I think if... Here's the thing, Mace. We're we're good friends, but if we went through the Gaucho experience together, I probably would want to take a, a few years break from you. <laughs> no yeah, offense. Yeah, no, I, I probably want to choke you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially like depending on I don't know, like de- uh, <laughs> depending on who we are in this situation. I don't know how it'd play out, but um, but yeah, you know, they they took a bit of a break. They're like, you know what? It was good. It's good yeah. run. Uh, have a good one. It wasn't like you know they didn't hate each other. I think they just kind of drifted needed apart. some time. Uh, Walter Dan Becker, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's Dan. He's Dan. He's Dan. Uh, Dan moved to Hawaii. Yeah, he became an avocado rancher. <laughs> he, yep, he quit drugs and started, uh, making avocados go, come from out of the ground or on a tree, depending well, wait, on how they, avocados are grown. I don't know. They came, they come from a tree, first of all. Okay, uh, great. Uh, because in Miami, we used to pluck avocados from the trees and just steal those shits. Um... However, he became, that's not the whole quote, he became a uh, quote-unquote avocado rancher and self-styled critic of the contemporary scene, which is honestly what I'm about to become. (laughs) Is that a quote from himself? Yeah, that's a quote from himself. Okay, I was going to say, if someone else is calling him that, that's kind of weird, but okay, yeah. (laughs) He, yeah, he went to Maui to become a, a contemporary critic and avocado rancher and guy who doesn't do drugs so much anymore. So good job to him. Uh, in the meantime, our good friend, friend, our friend. good friend, <laughs> see, you can tell I haven't done podcasting in a while because I'm slipping into my usual Southern accent that I our try to hide friend, from people. <laughs> my good friend, Donald Steely Fagan, uh, he released a, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I gotta get my podcasting accent back. There we go. <clears throat> okay. Uh, he released The Nightfly in 1982, which is a good fucking album. Here's the thing, it's, I didn't it's know a it certified existed. GFA. I didn't know it existed until, like, you told me before we recorded. Yeah, I went to go get some water, and I was like, listen to New Frontier right now. I lost my mind. It's so fucking good. It's so good. Uh, Huey Lewis, eat your heart out. That's my review. I told Nikki that I was getting uh, shades of Thomas Dolby. And that's good. Science! I love that. (laughs) Um, He had, uh, I think, IGY, What a Beautiful World, also on the the album. I think that got into the, uh, maybe not top ten, maybe, I don't know. But it was somewhat of a hit. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, he kind of dipped back into session work, as did uh, Mr. Dan also yeah. at some point. Then in 1986, so a couple years go by, right? They, they disband in 1981. Donald Fagan uh, comes out with one really good solo album, just kind of it. Uh, and yeah, they sort of go their separate ways. And then in 1986, 
Mr. Dan is working with Gary Katz, longtime Steely Dan collaborator, on some sort of album made by some sort of model. Rosie uh, Villa. Sure. And uh, Becker's like, hey, you know who'd be good on piano? My good friend. Fr- oh my god, why do I keep saying good friend? friend. <laughs> What's going on with me? My good friend, uh, XD. My good, my good friend. Donald Fagan would be great on this piano right here, tickling so, these ivories. So the way I understand this Zazu album by Rosie Villa, yeah, I think it might be something like, because it looks like she didn't do anything after that except be like a backup singer in ELO. Oh, uh, really? okay. So that's yeah, something. Yeah, she she right. was in a relationship with Jeff Lynne for a little while, it looks like. Oh. Um, she appears in the film Heaven's Gate as the beautiful girl. <laughs> So and, do I. Oh wait! Oh, she was in. She was in the two Jakes. I don't know what that is. The the sequel to Chinatown that everyone loves and doesn't despise. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's cool. Uh, it looks like yeah, she didn't do music after that, except she was a backing vocalist for ELO. The way I can describe this whole thing with like with her is that. It, it, it's like if Steely Dan got together to work on, like, Paris Hilton's 2006 album. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, they, they sort of, uh, this is this is a very, like, this is just a gig. They, you know, their heart's not really in Zazu, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know what their heart is in during Zazu? Back into each other's hearts. Because they yeah. finally rekindle their beautiful little friendship. They also start writing songs together again for the first time and they stopped in a couple years uh, and then they stopped and then i don't think we've ever heard anything uh from that era i don't think no we haven't uh <laughs> i think that we um we should and i think that they should release it because i yeah. would love to hear more Steel- steely danworth yeah uh but True. I, it's just okay but but they're friends and that's the important part uh we skipped to 93 uh, Fagan's second solo al- album, uh, Khmer- Khmer- Yes, and Walter Becker produces that, so that's cool. Uh, so they're, they're back in the studio together, like, on a thing they like doing. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, I don't know, maybe they enjoyed Zazu, I'm not trying to, <laughs> but, you know, that was just a job for them. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're fucking back. They yeah. go on tour together to support the album. Um, it is nominated for a Grammy uh, for Album of the Year, which it doesn't win. And then they both go, oh, let's never get nominated and don't win that again. And so that's their goal, clearly. Yeah. And, and I so think they're that's on why tour. they got back together. <laughs> that's only why they got on tour. They're like, oh, oh, we just want that Grammy so bad. Yeah. And they're on tour. They're on tour. They release uh, the live thing, uh, Alive in America, which is a great name for a live album. Um, and then the art you know, crimes a, tour, which is really funny. <laughs> also, a really good name for a tour. And then they're like, "Hey, those tours are going pretty good. What say you? We go back into the studio and work our little Steely Dan magic." And they go, "Ooh!" And they wiggle their little fingers to symbolize the magic. And then they made an album called Two Against Nature." <laughs> yep. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, they started recording in '96, and it took. Well, uh, a bunch of years, but it wasn't as turbulent as Gaucho. No. Uh, they were just taking like their was, time. Yeah, it was chill. Yeah, it sounds like they were, uh, yeah. So here we go. We're going to talk about Two Against Nature. Their first studio album in 20 years. Yeah, 2000, 1980. Yeah. So yeah. this is a big one. Uh, this was uh, immediately liked by critics, mm-hmm. except, well, 
<laughs> Except for one guy. <laughs> Was it um, Christgau? <laughs> no, actually, Christgau, Christgau liked it. Um, but uh, there was, you know what? I was going to save this till later, but um, <sighs> Two Against Nature came out at an interesting time uh, and also uh, did a bunch of interesting things. Uh, it won four Grammys. Yeah. Including for Best Album of the Year. And it beat out. <laughs> it beat out. Not this only is, did it beat out the Marshall Mathers LP. This is where Eminem. we kind of intersect with our past selves. <laughs> it fucking beat Kid A. Um, and I don't think anyone most... Mo- I don't think most anyone was happy about that. I think that... I think this still comes up. <laughs> when people talk about how the Grammys suck, they'll talk about 2001. Yeah. And how And how Steely Dan defeated Radiohead. Hello? Hello? Oh, hello? Hello? It's me, Tom oh. York. Oh my god, Tom? Oh my god, are you okay? The last time we heard you, you were trapped in some sort yeah, of... Yeah, I'm fine. Whatever, whatever. I'm fine. Uh, oh, the... we don't do that uh, <laughs> yeah, plot anymore? That's, that's, that's done? fine. That's fine. Oh, uh, okay. How how you doing? It's been I'm a while. Doing great. The computer and I are doing wonderful. Um, you, oh, you're back with the computer, Tom? Yeah, it, it, we're feeding it dog food every day. You know, hear the, the bell and, you know, give it the dog food. Would it you works. say, sorry to interrupt Tom York, but would you say you're okay with the computer now? That's not what I'm calling about. What? That's not what I'm calling about. Oh, okay. What are you calling about? Um, uh, I'm here to let you know that, you know, in radio, we have decided that our whole ethos ever yeah. since uh, 2001 has been to defeat Steely Dan. Oh, you guys. So you guys also felt a little aggrieved by that. Yeah, you'd think that, you know, due to our, you know, whole image, we did we wouldn't care about the Grammys, but we were actually very hurt. We worked very hard on it. Yeah, Kid A was um, kind it's of a kind of deal. a masterpiece, yes. Yeah, kind of the yeah. best album ever made. But um, not according to the Grammys that year. They gave they thought they thought Cousin Dupree was better. And they're dead. The Grammy oh. voters that year are dead. Oh. Exactly. Hey, um Tom, did you did you just come on our podcast just to Admit to a murder? I'm sorry. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, you said the, they're dead. What? The, the Grammy voters who died killed, oh, of, sorry, who of, killed them? of old age, is what I'm saying. Tom. They they died of old age because it was 20, 23 years ago. Tom, um, people from 23 years ago are still alive. That's how I'm talking to you. Tell it was me. 23 years ago. Tell uh, me. You killed them, didn't you? It's inconclusive. Oh, you killed him. Oh, you, you cracked me it's up. I love you. Right. <laughs> okay, all right. Get out of here. So, so what we've been doing in radio is uh, for the past 23 years, we've been trying to one-up Steely Dan at everything they do. And now it's easier because there's only one of them. Hey, we can't make jokes about that. <laughs> Get there's out of here, Tom York. You, you've changed, man. It used to be about the music. We're just saying they are our mortal enemies. And we'll... Uh, oh, sorry. I gotta go. The computer's, computer's calling... Sorry. Sorry, dog food. Thank you. Hey, what's up? I don't even want to talk about it. What? It's just disgusting. Oh, I mean, what? Where were we about like uh, the Grammys? Yeah. So anyway, it beats uh, beats Kid A at the Grammys, which was uh, pretty upsetting for a large number of people, <laughs> including, yeah. um, I think, one Brent D. Crescenzo at Pitchfork. Oh, the Pitchfork dude. This guy gave Two Against Nature 1.6 out of 10. The same score that Camp by Childish Gambino got. Yeah, this, yeah. Uh, do you, I, I just, I really, 
So a lot, most critics liked it. They were like, holy shit, they're back. And they're better than ever. Uh, but like, there was kind of a, you know, the younger generation uh, didn't, didn't like it so much. Uh, he, especially this guy. Let me just read to you the first paragraph because the rest of it is mostly how he complains about, oh, they're too obsessed with that slick production sound. Yeah, where have you been the last fucking 40 years, man? Yeah. Anyway, I also just want to read this because this was kind of really just, this is the peak of this era of music journalism. <clears throat> if you were a diehard Steely Dan fan from back in the day, let me first congratulate you on figuring out how this whole internet thing works. Oh my god. The computer commercials promise plug in and surf, but there's always a glitch. At work, you're too embarrassed to ask the young tech guys how the web works. They'd snicker before cranking the fragile back up and turning back to their monitors. Never show inferiority to subordinates. <laughs> So, you ponytailed jeep drivers and terrier walkers, I'm crawling inside your minds like reeling in the ears did so many decades ago. I know you've held silly suspicions, if just for a moment, that your ponytail was perhaps pulling back your hairline. I know that this review might hurt your feelings. Here, play with this shiny silver Nokia while I chat with somebody else. If you're so a regular smarmy. Pitchfork reader, why are you even curious about Steely Dan in 2000? I'm going to stop there. I love that. That's peak journalism to me and the music journalism to me in this era. Why be curious? Yeah. Who gives <laughs> why are a you shit? even curious, you idiot? Close yeah. your mind, you freak. Who gives a fuck? And honestly, I'm looking at the Pitchfork, you know, homepage right now. Yeah. And they're just straight up talking about, like, Skrillex or whatever. Yeah. Also, I just want to sh- uh, just point out, uh, four years later, he gives You Are the Quarry by Morrissey an 8.9 best new music. Which, that's something we have to dissect on our other podcast. So, I just, this is, a, this is a, the kind of the kind of guy who is like, uh, Steely Dan. Bleh. This is kind of what they released their album into, you know? They had been gone for 20 years. They were not cool anymore. <laughs> um, but I think uh, we're going to we're going to review it now um, with with a fresh. Well, we're both, uh, you know, past our mid 20s, which is when you start figuring out Steely Dan. It yeah. turns out it turns out a lot of those guys were wrong back then. Steely Dan's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, let's let's begin. Uh, we're going to talk about the album now, starting with Gaslighting Abbey, which no, I not. fucking love. No, we're not. That's not what it's called. Don't do this to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't fucking start. I gave you, I gave you one Tom York bit. Uh, I was very generous. Don't even start. (laughs) (laughs) Gaslighting Abby, you start the review then. The review. Oh my god, Nikki. I've been. I kind of like telegraphed this to you a little bit while I was because I was like driving around yesterday listening to the albums yeah and I was like oh you know there's some high highs and some low lows on this album and I think this is one of the low lows uh I think <gasps> this one sounds what? like a, I think this track sounds like a midi I think oh my god I this is the one of the best tracks of the album for me I honestly ha- this what? is where I reveal my heel turn and where which I have become a hater of this album oh my god oh my god okay <laughs> Uh, I think you're wrong. This out, al- this song fucking slaps. Okay, that I will agree that this album has some lows, which I w- will get to. But it's not gaslighting Abby. I will admit that it took me like I would say two listens before it really clicked. I think and maybe- yeah, it sounds super digital. I'm not gonna disagree with you there. This album, they, I mean, I mean, it was produced in the 2000s. Uh, it sounds late, uncomfortably late 90s. digital. What? It sounds uncomfortably digital. 
mm, there was still I a little wanted, a little I want like, to disagree but I don't know I kind of like it it kind of it didn't work for me also but it uh well you know it's been a while since we it's been a while since we while. did the last uh been a while since we did the last episode so we've had a lot of time I've had a lot of time at least to go through these two albums really in depth yeah and this 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 song in particular I think is uh really symbolizes what I what I went through because it took me a little bit to get to get it and once okay. I got it like every time I turn the album on it's instantly a jam I'm grooving I think it sells, sets the album off perfectly. I think this is a great opener. It's I, extremely catchy. That chorus, come on. It is, it is. Come but on. I do think that the... The, the lyrics the are so funny. The lyrics of the song and the story of the song is fucking insane. <laughs> it, oh, it is. <laughs> it's, it's a guy like, hey, you want to dress up in my ex-wife's clothes? Wouldn't that be funny and not creepy at all? I'm normal about it. Um, I love like, it's. They love a creepy guy song. Yeah, well, this is like not quite a loser song. It's it is a creepy guy song. It's it's yeah no. It's not. Ge- this is not a gentleman loser. <laughs> there there are loser songs on this album. But oh yeah, oh yeah. But this is not one of them. This is a creepy guy. Yeah. Um. Uh. I it's love it. So uh, you weird. don't like it though. You don't like it though. I don't tell like me, the way it more. sounds. I think. Hmm. It's too I, digital. I think it's a little too digital. I think it's a little too like. There was a like a like a warmth to Gaucho, and there was mm. like an analog to Gaucho because they were still using the. Well, because um, it was nineteen eighty, yeah. It was nineteen eighty. They were still using also the uh, I, I forgot the uh, the drum machine's name. Wendell. Wendell. I forgot Wendell's yeah. name. They're still using Wendell, God. and this was probably the drums here were probably you know a mix of um a mix of like session drums and some shit they pulled out of Pro Tools. Yeah, you know what? I'm I didn't I couldn't find how they actually recorded this. I'm gonna look into this because it really I mean it is clear that they really went, you know, uh high tech <laughs> with the with the production of this. Yeah. Uh Ricky Lawson did the drums on this one. Oh, okay. Who so played it's... he played with Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Steely Dan, and he played drums on fucking I Will Always Love You? The oh, Whitney okay. Houston so... version? Alright, so there's 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 some real there's some real guy. Uh, okay, there's guy a guy power. on this one. There's a real fucking guy on the drums, you know. So I, I so I don't know why why this doesn't really like hit me the same way that Gaucho does. I I can feel it. I can feel the Dan. But oh yeah, yeah. I like they're there, but it's it's, it's really it's really exciting to me, especially because it's like it's the first one, and they're like immediately like, don't worry, we still have the Dan. Yeah, it's very. Um, these two albums feel like the Twin Peaks of Return of Steely Dan's career. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know if I go that that way. Uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, but then the song is the dubby. Dougie. Dougie. <laughs> this is the Dougie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I love it. I if love it were, song. If it were less and digital, I would love it more. Okay, interesting, yeah. I, sh- I kind of yeah. just like hearing them go digital. It was kind of nice. That's fair. That's fair. But I'm a freak, so that's fine. Uh, speaking of freaks, he's not that much of a freak. What a shame about me. What a shame. What a shame. Um, I think this is one of uh, Mr. Steely Fagan's uh, greatest little like short story. It's a short story in a song. I really like this one. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, I don't think I've ever heard a Steely Dan song like this wistful. Oh man, yeah, it's it's so uh it feels like it's not autobiographical uh obviously, but it 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 definitely it kind of it suggests uh ways of how they were feeling about that yeah. stage of their lives, you know. Yeah. And um also, I think also, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um 
the fact that like they we can't even get one like two songs in without them mentioning like a school in New York. <laughs> it's just so quintessentially this, yeah. Dan. Yeah, I this is so I think every album is either an an LA album or a New York album and Two Against Nature is fully New York. Yeah. Um it just it just is. There's no denying it. This is and this is this is what cements that New York status um of it i love the lyrics i think honestly this is um this is an this song is a really big reason why i think lyrically this is one of their strongest albums ever like lyrically just talking about the lyrics they're they're like really sharp um very funny uh but not like overly jokey like i don't know they just they're very sardonic they, they they've got the edge that i love from the dance you know what? I would agree with you. I think that e- even starting on this song, it becomes a little bit less synthetic sounding, too. This, yeah, this feels less less digital than Gaslighting Abbey. For there was sure. something about Gaslighting Abbey that felt like I was listening to Passport.mid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know what it is, because um, I can't find any. Maybe there's like a Steely Dan forum I gotta join before I get all the the cool trivia. But like, I want to know what they were using. Um, I'm sure people know, you know, every piece of machinery that, that they used on Asia, but like, I don't know. Do people just not care about Two Against Nature? I don't know. Uh, I actually, like uh... Do you find anything? Yes. Uh, Two Against Nature was recorded and mixed entirely in Pro Tools. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, it feels like that. It feels like they, this is their first out, al- their first big album in a, in a DAW. Yeah. It, it... I mean, oh God, yeah, Pro Tools, like late 90s, early 2000s Pro Tools. Yeah, so this was recorded on, like, a Mac OS 9 machine. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> but that's why Gaslighting Abbey sounds like that then. Okay. Yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. I knew it was digital, like, fully, but I wanted to know exactly what. So yeah, Pro Tools, that makes I sense. I think that Fagan and Becker should have gotten really into Ableton. I think they should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, they should have gone Tracker. They should have gone with, uh, should have gotten Amiga. Get they Pro Tracker. They should have gotten really into Max MSP. <laughs> Optimed. Here's the thing. I feel like if they were if they were not old and one of them wasn't dead, mm. they would get Rest really in into Max MSP in like the present day. Really, they, you think? Yeah, because they, they're like you know like studio guys. Oh yeah, yeah I feel sure. like eventually they would be like you know if they weren't at the age they were at and like if they not, were like our age but the same way they were now. Yeah, they would. They be, be okay. Yeah. Into those patches, a hundred percent. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, we would like, have like they're trying. They're trying to craft the perfect saxophone sound. We would have Aphex Dan by they're like, the end so of the they're, Yeah, <laughs> they're they're sick of doing a hundred takes with a session musician. They just want to craft the perfect digital saxophonist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I could see that. Uh, it it really feels like they're fighting two against nature. Sometimes, God, that's a fucking dog shit segue. Uh, yeah, let's talk bad, about the song. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> a little too on the nose. Uh, this, this song is also very digital sounding. The drums, the drums yes. are very digital. Super digital. It's funny hearing them do a Pro Tools album. It kind they, of... this is the, it went from Gaucho to this. Like, there's nothing in between. It, it's like if suddenly, for example, like, let's say Radiohead had gone from, like, Pablo Honey immediately to Amnesiac. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait, 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 slow down, slow down, slow, slow down. Slow down. Uh, do you like this song? Like, I like as a it. song. I like it. I like it, like, as a song. Um, I think it's very, um, it's very voodoo, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, 
talking about like I don't know. It's very funky. And, oh no! It, there's 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 kind of a and goofy, like Madame kind or of Julie. Yeah. yeah. Talk about like Panadella and stuff like that going on in the second verse. Yeah. And like Spider Queen Demon <laughs> stuff like that. It's very like. I I don't there it's I don't want to go in like into weird yeah. stereotypical shit but like you get you get what I mean yeah it's I they're dipping their toes in that water it's not horny um, though no they're not being horny and I don't think they're being overly weird about it um they're no. just having fun um that's what this this track is I don't know that I this isn't my favorite but I don't hate it because it sounds like they're having a lot of fun <laughs> no yeah it sounds like they're just kind of doing whatever yeah um. I saw, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say about this. I, I forget where, I should have saved like a screenshot of it. I think it was like a YouTube comment or something. I don't know, somewhere, somewhere on the internet, someone said that their, I don't know if it was their interpretation or like, oh, I heard someone say that this song is about, <laughs> is about them having a, um, an exterminator business. <laughs> like they're going. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> their idea was that Steely and Dan were exterminators and this was the name of their business. <laughs> And this was like a theme song for it. You know what? I like that interpretation way better. Uh, I started loving the song when I thought of it like that. So I wanted to share it with the podcast. In jumpsuits. Yeah, and like green jumpsuits and they got like a funky little logo on the back. You know, two against nature. I feel like we could have named this season of the podcast as mini season two, two against nature. That could be the, yeah, that could be the, like, the, the subtitle. Yeah, picking up something good, two against nature, because it's not really season three, but it's not yeah, really. Yeah, uh, sort of an in-between. Yeah, yeah I like it's that. kind of like Ghostbusters answer the call. <laughs> it's exact, you know what? This is the podcast version of Ghostbusters answer the call. Yeah, we are the lady Ghostbusters of, like, music podcasts. That's why everyone loves us. Yeah. Everyone loves us, and if you don't, you're sexist. <laughs> Do you remember how that was, like, the... the yeah, uh, oh, man. Here's the thing. I didn't even, the problem was, I didn't really like the movie, but, like, it's. I had to wait till now to admit it. The movie was fine. You, it wasn't was terrible. Well, that's the thing. I it didn't hate it. It just was, like, I, I haven't seen it since, you know? Yeah, I haven't... I'm, I'm, I'm like, not dying to watch it. I'm not but like gonna... you can't uh, if you if I admitted that at the time people would assume I'm the worst person on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I hate the culture war. I hate how it's just constant. It was very 2016 to say that you hated that movie, and yeah, you would have been on like some GamerGate block list by now if you had said that. I probably yeah, I don't know. I just I'm already on Will Wheaton's block list. I didn't need any more of that. Well, that's noise. fine. Like that's you're not missing out. Enough about Twitter. Let's talk about Janie Runaway. Janie Runaway. What do you think about this song? Because you don't seem to be as high on this album as I am, so I'm I'm very curious about how you feel. This is actually getting much better. This song fucking slaps. Yeah, like in a literal way. There's slap bass. Yeah, so there's a lot of slap bass. They've got, they've done a 180 on the, on the appropriateness of slap bass on a Steely Dan track, which I'm ha- very happy to see. Yeah, because earlier they were I, re- I recall them being like, I don't please don't slap the bass. The and poor they, bass player had to hide his slapping from exactly. the Steely and the Dan. And now, um, twenty years now later, they're like, let's fucking you know what slap. Pro Tools, let's do slapping. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, they found the uh, slap bass dot uh, dot sound font. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of their catchiest songs in their whole fucking discography. I M O. It is. It is. I the the like the chorus is such like this is like a brand new earworm for me. This is this is part of like the first listen through of this album like didn't quite grab me. Right. But you know what brought me back for a second listen? The chorus for Janie Runaway was stuck right. in my head for like three days. Yeah. 
and it was just living living rent free. It's so good. And then you listen to the lyrics the second playthrough, like I did, and then go, oh, it's another classic old pervert song. Hell yeah, they've <laughs> yeah. still fucking got it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Man, this guy, the guy this song's about is a fucking creep. Holy shit. There's several <laughs> old pervert songs on this album. Oh, man. The, yeah, I think Robert Kreisgau's review called this album just a bunch of old men trying to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm barely paraphrasing, but I I think he's right. Also, I would I would agree. Um, sorry, I think that at this point, track four, I was expecting a Steely Dan album from the two thousands. And you probably I had an idea of what that sounded like in my head. I bet you did too. And I didn't know that I liked it. But this wasn't this the album that I listened to here, Two Against Nature, wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't what I was expecting, and I was expecting somebody to say like dot com or internet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that next album, but um this album, yeah, none of that. This song, like the whole album is very like it's slick, but also really refined. Like there's not a whole lot of meat on these bones. These are some these are some stark grooves. Right. Um, but that's, it's good though. They pull it off. Um, this one in particular, I think is really funny because it's got kind of a loungy vibe with the instrumental a little bit. And like in that era, there was sort of that lounge revival. And I wonder if they're, it's funny cause they're like, they're from that era too. When lounge music was like kind of originally out in the, the world. Right. And then a bunch of hipsters brought it back in the two thousands. And then Janie Runaway has kind of elements of it. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, the sax solo. So good. An all-timer. Holy An all-timer shit. solo. Yeah, there's... Mm, man, this song's good. <laughs> the thing about uh, this album is that none of the songs are as good as Asia, but it, like, evokes a, a lot of it. Yeah, Asia and Gaucho have, like... What's the word? There's, like... There's a consistency that this album doesn't have. But yeah, but it has their DNA. Still, there's, there's still big flashes of Dan everywhere. Yeah. You know, like, Asia is gold-plated, and this one is gold-speckled. It's a lot of gold in there, but there's still some moments where there's not a whole lot of... This is a weird metaphor. Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I get okay. what you're saying. Um, yeah, let's talk about Almost Gothic. This I... is... Okay, yeah. go for it. Yeah. You first. <laughs> we both kind of... I don't know. I keep almost getting into the song, but just barely can't. Here's the thing. Yeah? This is the first song that grabbed me. Real, I see. We completely opposite. Okay, interesting. Tell me more. It's very. I think first of all, I think it's about a dominatrix. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Second of all, jokingly, I think this is a song about Steely and Dan wanting a big titty goth GF. Yeah. No. Okay. So and that's I, what I want. That's why I want to get into it because it's like they were ahead of the curve. This is with like that this shit. is like the first song about wanting a big titty goth GF. Yeah, like they were the pioneers of that, and yeah. that's why I respect it. It's not my favorite, and there's just like a. Like a airiness to the whole thing that like doesn't, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't grab it. Like it literally is too, it's kind of foggy. I can't grab onto it. Um, But there's like, I appreciate what it's doing. Like in that way. And like, you know, lyrically again, like uh, I'm sizzling like an isotope is such a funny lyric, but it works. I don't know. There's just like little moments that I really do like about the song. But as a whole, it's one of the, it's one of the weaker moments. Yeah, I think it's about this uh, either Steely or Dan or this character that they created going to a sex dungeon and falling in love with the the dominatrix. 
Oh yeah, that's it's incredible. Like yeah. as a concept, it's one of the better. It's one of the best songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it, it is a prototype of I fell in love with a stripper. Yes, and I bet if if you asked the artist who made I fell in love with a stripper, who I can't remember at the moment, he would agree that that was on purpose. <laughs> Hold on, like, yep, we're gonna find yeah, out. Yeah, we're gonna find out live. Okay. Uh, T Pain. It was T Pain. Oh. T Pain's a nice guy. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, T Pain. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Let's get T-Pain on the show for, uh, for the next season. Here's the thing. T-Pain's probably really easy to get. I know. That's what I'm saying. He's <laughs> online. We're online. We could make something happen there. I could probably T-Pain. email probably T-Pain and he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack of Speed is the next song on the album. Now, that's a segue. Yeah, that that is a segue at, at the most basic one. Okay, this is about yeah. drugs. They, they got back into the drugs oh, talk. Oh, boy. They love that. Well, they can't. They can't help themselves. They love a drug boy. They it love took, singing a song about a drug boy. It took six tracks for them to be like, drug time. Yeah, but what if, uh, what if we sing about drugs? Which, you know, again, it shows that they've still got it, you know? Right. Um, a lot, part of me felt like this was like, I don't know, this could have been like a long lost Royal Scam demo it that they got re-recorded a it little could've. bit. I don't know. Uh, there's something about it that feels kind of Royal Scammy to me. It, uh, the, hor- the horn riff, I think. The Teddy character in this uh, in this song kind of reminds me of Patrick Bateman. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, because he's got like he's rolling most every night. Yeah, yeah. he's hanging tight with the jack of speed. He's got right wing hooey. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. So he feels very like you know buttoned up businessman who is just always fucked. Up. Always rolling. Yeah. 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 You know what? I buy that. I buy that. Yeah, the horn riff is another earworm that kind of hooked hooked my brain into coming back to the album. Oh, fuck uh, it. It's, you know, I like this one. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, uh, even though I do like it. It's just it's just nice and slick, like the rest of the album, but this one's like real slick. And druggy. <laughs> yeah, real slick and druggy. And also cool. his wife leaves him halfway through the song. <laughs> yeah, there's some drama there. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of, okay, we're kind of skating through this album, but like, it's fine. No, I mean, like, we're skating through it because I want people to go and listen to it. Yeah, it's... it's That's what, you know? I don't, I don't think it's album of the year good. I don't think it's... I mean, listen. I'm being very effusive about this album so far. And yet, would I give this Grammy of album of the year to this over Kid A? Do I even give a shit about the Grammys? The answer to both of those is no. Here's the thing. I bet if you ask Tom York right now what he thinks about, like, fucking Two Against Nature winning over Kid A, I think he'd be pretty pissed. Uh, and I'm sharing that, like, that idea with you. Th- <sighs> would he care at all? I feel like he would care. I feel like they, they, they put up a big, like, thing about, like, not giving a shit. I feel like Eminem for sure cares. Oh, he, yeah, I don't, yeah, he probably I, cares. I'm oh, my God, especially because Steely Dan took it. I mean... I'm surprised that there was no line on the Eminem show, the album that came after that, about how, like, <laughs> Steely Dan wants to suck his balls or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I could see him caring, but, like, I don't know. I don't know about Radiohead caring. I, I don't know. also I also think they probably don't care about giving up best pop performance by duo or group with vocal to the song Cousin Dupree. That's right. Cousin song. Dupree won its own Grammy. You, me, and Cousin Dupree. This is the worst, the most uncomfortable <laughs> song I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> is this is this more uncomfortable? 
is this more uncomfortable than everyone's gone to the movies? No, but it reminds me. Yeah, I was going to say, because this is the, yeah. It, it gives me the vibe of Cousin Rico from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's like a wor- it's like if cousin Rico was much much worse. Yeah, it, it like I I feel icky thinking about like him. if like if <laughs> you know like if he tried to fuck Napoleon like if he was like that right yeah exactly. is that what you're saying let's come right out and say it exactly uh, Steely Dan in 2006 posted a humorous letter on their website saying that the title of Owen Wilson's film You Me and Dupree was stolen from their song. <laughs> They called the open letter, this is the name of the open letter to Owen Wilson. Open letter to the great comic actor Luke Wilson. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) It's so fucking funny. Hold on, let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, The original URL was steelydan.com slash (laughs) heyluke.html. We'll get to this all in a second. Oh, this is, wow, this is a really long letter, actually. Hold on. Yeah, no, we're not going to read this whole thing. We're not going to read this. I'm, I'm looking at it, but I love the fake letterhead at the top. Oh, it's so good. The whole thing is, yeah. yeah. Uh, check out uh, their open letter to Owen, uh, comma, uh, comma, Luke Wilson. Uh, that's not anything to do about the song. I just thought it was funny. Uh, this, oh, also, yeah, it says here, Owen Wilson defended himself from this letter. Uh, sa- he said, quote, I have never heard the song Cousin Dupree, and I don't even know who this gentleman, Mr. Steely Dan, is. I hope this helped to clear this thing up and I can get back to concentrating on my new movie, Hey 19. <laughs> Fuck, that's good. <laughs> that's, so, that's, yeah. on top of this, a couple years later, they also wrote an al- like a letter to Wes Anderson. Uh-huh. Uh, basically offering to write the theme song to The Darjeeling Limited. <laughs> Wait, really? Yes. Steely Dan did. Yes. Well, they were just writing letters to anyone back then, huh? They they wanted to write the chorus, Darjeeling Limited, that's the train I want to get kissed on. Darjeeling <laughs> Limited, but I'll get lucky if I don't get pissed on. <laughs> oh my god, they should have done that! Oh my god! Ah! And there's a song here about, they wrote a theme song to Bottle Rocket 2. <laughs> oh my god, they are the greatest people on the planet. I love them so much. They're, They're so, so good funny. at internet comedy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, That's amazing. And I also would like to see Bottle Rocket too. <laughs> I need to know what happened to the characters after the events of that film. Well, an- another thing about anyway. Cousin Dupree, uh, creepy ass song, uh, upsetting yeah. song, uh, is that it actually came out a year before the album. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah, it was recorded in 98 and came out in 99 as its own, like, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, so it, to the, pu- to the like, this general their, public. This is their first single, yeah, in 20 years. To the, yeah, to the general public, it looked like <laughs> Steely Dan was gone for 20 years, and, and they came back, back and were like, yeah! Hey, you ever wanted to fuck your cousin? This is the song for you. And then left. <laughs> Here's the thing about this song. I haven't even given a review of it. Yeah. I love this song. <laughs> Despite the... Uh... Here's the thing. I... It just makes me laugh. It, there's something about it. There's something slightly different about it from everyone's gone to the movies that I just can't take it seriously at all. Like, it doesn't... It should be as cringe to me, but it just is so funny. I don't know. There's something so funny. It's so digital sounding. I think that helps. No, yeah, yeah. I think that, like, I can't take it seriously. The, like, it's super synthy and computery sounding that I think sort of makes me just laugh at it. It's very funny. I'm the sort of... I don't know if you caught that. There's like a really uh, buried in the mix. There's like this really whistly synth. Yes. That I, I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with it. 
Um, it is not my favorite song in the album, but I still, I, there's a, I have a creepy little place in my heart for it. <laughs> a creepy little place. I, I just <laughs> genuinely cannot take this song seriously. It's so creepy, but I feel <laughs> like so... I'm like looking at it from outside of my own body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's accurate. The, the outro just being like, how about a kiss for your cousin Dupree? Ugh! Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the creep factor really is raised because they rhyme that line preceding it with, well, we used to play since we, when we were, th- we used to play when we were three. Like they are really going out of their way to creep you out, but I can't take it seriously. I just can't. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh boy. Man. What a way to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this being the lead single, I think is genius. Um, this like that, obviously the guy who wrote the guys who wrote these very funny letters would obviously be like, Hey, let's lead with cousin Dupree and then somehow win, uh, win a Grammy for it. Yeah. So, you know, they, they fucking did it. Good job, boys. Maybe I think they deserve it now. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I think they do. Uh, let's say we talk about, uh, a negative girl. I swear to God, if I hear them talk about another place in New York, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. (laughs) If I hear Fordham Road one more time, I'm going to flip a table. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, So is that how you feel about the song? I like it. I just, uh, I feel like they they cannot, they are contractually obligated, I think, to mention places in New York every album. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they have to. Well, it's, that's where they're from, after all. People from New York love to talk about New York. They are those East Coast oh, boys of the West Coast sound. They don't ever shut up about bodegas. I feel yeah. like if, if Steely Dan put an album today, there'd be several songs extolling the virtues of bodegas, a thing that nobody else has anywhere else. Nah, it'd probably be like doing something weird and fucked up at a bodega. <laughs> They'd make it weird. Janie um, was shooting up at the bodega. Uh, I like the intro to Negative Girl, and then the rest of the song, I can kind of just not really live, I can kind of live without. Yeah, okay, I have actually, and something that I was going to bring up when we were first talking about Gaslighting Abbey, uh-huh. I want to know if you agree with me here. Okay. This album came out around the same time that I saw um, Michael McDonald for the first time at a racetrack in, uh, like a horse racetrack. Right. Yeah. In, in, um, in Miami, I think in Fort Lauderdale even, uh, that my stepdad took me to. So in my mind, and that's a classic stepdad activity. Yeah. This whole album is like chain smoking stepdad music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, you know what? Yeah. You're not wrong. I think <laughs> like there is a, I read a review of like a sort of a 20 year retrospective on the album and it was making, it was sort of, uh, it, it, it it was, uh, it found it funny that this won over the Marshall Mathers LP. Because this was the album your dad was listening to while he was judging you for listening to Eminem. Yeah. Uh, and this this album is full of, like, creeping on teenagers and doing drugs and shit. And he's judging you for Eminem. Right. That asshole. Taking so, yeah. you to the fucking racetrack so you look at Michael McDonald. God, yeah. What an and idiot. he's fucking, he's fucking. I don't know. No, I fucking hate him. Okay, uh, fuck that guy. Uh, and he's like, you know, he's listening to this all the while Eminem is in the studio angrily being like, Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, they want to suck my dick. They want to they want to put me in the Grammys <laughs> and they want to make a hit. <laughs> that was a really that was it was like he just came into the studio for a second. Yeah, they're there. They, it's like was... you turned on the Eminem AI text to speech for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Negative Girl is really slick, but it's too, it's so slick that it slips right off my ears. Yeah, I just don't, it's... The weird, like, false start to the chorus isn't 
really good. I don't know. It feels like it feels unfinished. It is chrome to me. It just kind of <clears throat> slides off. I will say I love the girl they're describing. Yeah. She sounds like she doesn't leave the house and is on the computer all the time. And I like that in a girl. She's constantly posting. She's super toxic. Well, like the <laughs> lyrics are really funny. Like exquisitely limpid is she is described as. <laughs> she got a Exhausting and luscious. <laughs> like a really funny description. I So again, that's why I think lyrically is one of their strongest albums, even when I don't really like the song. Yeah, I think this song describes someone who is just like insane. <laughs> yeah, like just fully kind of like a like a like a crazy girl. Completely like just like a neat. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's the word I was looking for, and that's what I like. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, this yeah, so they th- they're ahead of the curve on so many levels. They're singing about uh, how much they want to get with a neat girl, uh, how much they want a big titty goth GF like. They really, they came into the new millennium, like, here's what you're going to want to work with for the next 20 years or here's, so. Here's, here's the some thing. Stuff, here's some stuff to think about. <laughs> here's the thing. I think Steely Dan walked so that 100 Gex could run. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, is, I think that's the title of this episode. <laughs> that's going to get people, that's going to drop people in to see, oh, well, how could they claim that? And I think, I think they'll agree that we are correct. Yeah. We have one more song in this album to talk about, and it is called West of Hollywood. Mace, isn't that where you live? No, I live east of Hollywood, very far east of Hollywood. God damn it. Hollywood's like, what, like 10 miles away? Uh, I wouldn't live west of Hollywood. Um, It's because that's that's where West Hollywood is, which is where, you know, it's, it's, West Hollywood is, okay, imagine if RuPaul's Drag Race was a person. Oh, so (laughs) RuPaul? No. <laughs> oh. Oh. Even. Oh. Even worse. Okay. It's like corporate pride gays. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I, I say this as a bisexual man. I'm not. I'm not hating. It's corporate. And I pride say gays. this is whatever the hell I am. <laughs> uh, not my favorite kind of gay. Yeah. Corporate pride gays who are bringing cops all the time to pride. <laughs> the kind of gay that would get mad at me for calling myself the F slur in a joke. Yeah. Or by or saying the word queer. Um. <laughs> and then further here's the thing i don't know how well actually i do know how and it's white privilege but like immediately to the west of that is uh west of west hollywood west of west hollywood is anti-mask beverly hills <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah like, you don't want to go there like literally you cross a street and you are going from west hollywood to beverly hills yeah i don't like that yeah and then further right. further to the coast it's rich people uh so so I that's think, what we're singing about, I guess, now. Yeah. He, well, I, they're, writing, they're writing, I think, about the coast. They're writing about Malibu, it, it sounds like to me. Like far west of Hollywood, yeah. Far west. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they're not singing about uh, anti-mask Beverly Hills. Although, I w- again, I would like to hear that song from them now. No, no, well, I mean, we can still yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. So this song took me, like, I don't know. Yeah, this this also took me, like, three listens to get. And then it clicked, and it was like... Oh, this is like they're trying to do a little bit of an Asia, and they kind of succeeded a little bit. It's good. I it's, I really like it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like it a lot. Um, it's so lush. The rest of the album is very uh, not sparse, but you know, uh, the, the grooves have just what they need to get by, and then this one they just throw everything at it. It's just yes. like mountains of stuff. Um, but it's all mixed very well because you know we're talking about the Dan here. I think that uh, I, the line, I was Kid Clean, she was Andesi Clay, is very Asia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the lyrics in this one. Yeah, they're really, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really hard Asia. Oh, and the other thing, like, 
This song is why I opened Stack Exchange before we started recording this this what? podcast. Uh, apparently, Stack Exchange has like a music section. <laughs> well, they it's get music. mad of you for not. Uh... <laughs> yeah, um, I was listening to West of Hollywood today, and I I don't really I'm not big on music theory. I'm not. I mean, I that's that came out wrong. I like it. I'm big on it in the sense that I like it, but I'm not super knowledgeable about it. I'm very self taught. Um, I the music theory I know is sort of the stuff that you learn just by making a lot of music for many years. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not, like, jazz-educated like Dan here. Yeah. But I know enough to notice that the outro, the very long outro, I mean, the outro's, like, half the song. Uh, the outro to this is really complex. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. Um, and I didn't exactly know what, and so I just sort of was, like, West of Hollywood analysis, right? Yeah. And it brought me to music.stackexchange.com, a website I didn't think existed. But apparently, it's not just for people complaining about Rust. Uh, it's, it's about this, uh, too. Uh, <laughs> this guy tried to reverse engineer to try to determine the modulation style technique and to see what other patterns could be determined. Uh, two things I find intriguing about the outro are the chords played by the accompaniment sound distinct and well-formed, and there's many, many modulations. The song surely must have some kind of... S- uh, record with the sheer number of tonal center changes during the outro um and to 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 see uh, to prove what i uh, this person is saying they have this handy little chart here so before the outro uh, begins we're in b minor uh we switch to e flat minor for eight bars g minor for two bars d minor for one and six fourths of a bar what does that even mean six fourths of a bar F sharp minor for 10 bars, C sharp minor for another one six fourth of a bar, F minor, uh, like two seconds later, eight bars, A minor for two bars, E minor for one six fourth of a bar, G sharp minor for 10 bars, D sharp minor for one six fourth of a bar, G minor nine bars, E minor two bars, B minor one six fourth of a bar, and then that repeats a second time. Dear God. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, that... It's so complicated that even I was like, what are you guys doing? What's going on in there? What's going on in this song? It's there. How does, how do they do that without making it sound messy? Because the whole thing sounds very coherent. Um, the whole, I mean, the sax solo going on through like four minutes really ties the whole thing together. But I, I just, West of Hollywood is, is like extremely, extremely deep. You could get lost in it for hours. I love it. Yeah. And I think like, it's very contrasted by the lyric, I'm way deep into nothing special, when it is something super fucking special. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty deep, yeah. Oh, man. So I, I thought this was an incredible outro, too. The little, how it ends with that synthy burble. Oh, yeah. To really, oh, yeah. to really, like, yeah, no, we're digital this time, folks. Yeah, we're online. We're, we're plugged in. We're plugged in. This is what the internet sounds like. Yeah, and no, I, it's I, think it's what, I think it's what it did sound like in the t- at the time. Uh, probably, yeah. I don't remember. I was just getting online. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, Two Against Nature. Uh, like we said, Cousin Dupree won for Best Pop Performance by a Duo, duo or Group with Vocal. That's Which is fucking mouthful. wild. <laughs> uh, the album won Best Engineered Album, I believe, and Best Album of the Year. And it won a fourth one that I can't see right now, Best Pop Vocal Album. Oh, well, okay, that's fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, no, the vocals are pretty good. Uh, as for what you were picking up, was it something good? Uh, it was. It was some mid. Wow. It was. Wow. Uh, it was. It was good. It was just mid for like a return. Pff, pff. It was more than mid. 
this was Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out. Steely Dan's two against nature. Reggie. Isn't that worse than mid? Maybe. I forget how the words go. It's Reggie, then it's mid. Then it's loud. (laughs) Oh, shit, you're right. (laughs) I'm cutting all of this. (laughs) Two against nature is loud, not Reggie, or mid. (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. It's no gaucho, uh, sure, but, like, what could be? Yeah. You know? I think this is an incredible return. I think there are some low moments that I'm not a huge fan of, but they really don't, uh, they don't hinder the the experience uh, a whole lot. I would, you know, I like this better than I liked Pretzel Logic, and everyone fucking loves Pretzel Logic, so I don't Honestly, know. Honestly, I would say it's also better than Pretzel Logic. <laughs> we really did not like that album. <laughs> Holy shit, we did not. <laughs> Holy God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of albums that people have... Opinions about, we're going to talk about Everything Must Go, well, the 2003 album by Steely Dan, and so far, the final uh, the final album, at least the final album with both Steely and Dan. Before we do that, yeah, I have a little story. Something that I learned a couple weeks, a couple days ago, and I texted Nikki in a frenzy, and I was like, did you fucking know this? Uh, and I said, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, did you know that... Um, Yes, yes, they went to Bard College, uh, Steely and Dan. Mm-hmm. You know who also went to Bard College? Uh, was He's, it like a real nice guy that everyone likes? They named him the funniest man in America. Yeah, you He's only a name nice a guy, guy, everyone likes that. Writer and actor on National Lampoon, Saturday Night yep. Live. People love those. Pretty, you know, completely nice and normal guy. Chevy Chase. God damn it. <laughs> Chevy Chase, he was a well, student of acting at, at upstate New York. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool, I guess, that they went to the same college, but they probably didn't go at the same time, right? They went at the same exact time, and oh. it turns out they were best oh, no, friends. Well, they, oh, I was going to say they probably didn't know each other. Um, So they were best... They were, wait, so Chevy Chase was best friends with Steely and Dan while they were in Bard. Well, that's cool, I guess, but it's not like they made a band together, right? Actually. Oh, uh, God. Oh, fuck. So, before he was expelled... Uh, he was expelled from Bard College for keeping a live cow in his room. Something you couldn't do in the 1970s, I guess. Sorry, despite... Chevy... Chevy Chase did that? Chevy Chase did that. Okay. Despite, like... It's a little too wacky. It's a little yeah. too Bart Simpson for me. Well, that's the thing. Despite several fucking uh, Steely Dan songs being about more insane things than that happening at Bard College. We know, Yeah, that never comes up in a Steely Dan song. Weird. Yeah, that that never comes up for some reason. And their uh, best friend brings a cow to school and gets kicked out, and that doesn't come up in in the I feel song like it about how been a their whole school song. is weird. <laughs> like they do a song about how like they there's one drug raid. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I, how many times did a guy bring a cow? Probably that one time. They should have. There should have been a song called like Hot Chevy. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, but yeah, a, they they played music together. I didn't know this somehow. Yeah, Chevy Chase is a drummer. And he jammed a lot with a couple different bands around the college, namely one fronted by Becker and Fagan called the Leather Canary, which was, quote unquote, a bad jazz band. I was going to say, that's a terrible name. Apparently, that's... Chevy Chase has perfect pitch. What? No, he doesn't. Yeah. Who? According it... to who? Chevy? No, according to Steely and Dan. Oh. oh I believe man. them. Well, really? Okay. Well, that's, that's kind of <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Well, t- hey, take solace in the fact that you can't keep it forever, and he's probably at the age where it's gone. Here's the thing. Do you know about that? Yeah, I didn't know that, that if you, you would use it or lose it. 
No, it's not a use it or lose it. It is a use it and or not it? use it and you still lose it. Holy shit. It kind of just slips away. Yeah. But yeah, like apparently Chevy Chase after this, you know, because he I guess they stopped playing dates with him. Because I realized, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's Chevy Chase. He's he gonna probably be... started being a real asshole. He's going to say something real mean about Dan Harmon in 30 years. We don't even know who that guy is. We're sick of this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, Chevy Chase played keys and drums for the psych rock band Chameleon Church. That's awful. Terrible names. They Jesus. Did, they made one be- one album and then disbanded. Wait, so Chevy Chase is on a... He's, he's on the album. Yeah. Wow. He's like dark Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Do you think he cursed Steely Dan to take that two, 20 year hiatus? Do you think if it weren't for his malevolent influence, we could have had like, I don't know, five other albums from them? Potentially. He wasn't on a Steely Dan album, but he was on. He, just him being there was a bad vibe, I think. Yeah, I think at the beginning, just him being. Well, because he was there when the seed was planted. He He poisoned the soil. Yeah. God, I hate that guy. I think they broke up because Chevy Chase was, like, a mutual friend of theirs. Yeah. You know what? It was just, they they couldn't take it anymore. They're just like, that guy in college, he really made some points. <laughs> we gotta not see each other for six years. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that they, uh, fucking, uh, he was almost in Steely Dan. <laughs> God, what a world. What a world, what a world, what a world. Well... Um, thank you for that update. Uh, I think we got to take a quick break before we start with our Everything Must Go uh, review. Yeah. Uh, because I need to... I need to... All right, I said it. Okay, I need to put my clothes in the, in the dryer. Okay, we'll be back in a, in a minute or a second or somewhere in between. You'll hear something times. here in the middle. Welcome to the land of Steely Dan. Asia, a continent of the mind. Asia, on ABC Records. All right, and we're back. Thank you very, very much, FTX, for that advertisement. Um, And for SVB for sponsoring the second half. Uh, of the podcast which we are going to review everything must go that's what we are that's what we're doing right now um this this was recorded uh well interestingly enough they had to take a small hiatus uh during the recording uh uh, time to uh leave new york for a little bit because 9-11 happened (laughs) well well, why because they did it or what no no they just were like uh we should probably uh take a break probably get out of town (laughs) Hey, we should, uh, hey, 9-11 just happened. Do you guys want to, uh, do you guys want to take a break for a little bit on this, uh, on this Everything Must Go stuff? And they're like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, 9-11 just happened. Uh, let's take a break. Yeah. Uh, the reason I bring this up, this, this particular bit, right? Right. So Everything Must Go, like I said, New York City is being recorded in, uh, River Sound. Uh, recording sessions are suspended, uh, due to 9-11 happening. Recording sessions resume in early 2002. However, someone from the original recording sessions is not invited back and is in fact fired. Oh, shit. That man is named Roger Nichols. Oh, fuck. The father of Wendell. They're really? like they're like 30, 30 plus year uh, engineer at that point. He worked on every album, basically. What happened? I don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, it says um, 
uh, in a book, Reeling in the Years, uh, the 2018 revision. This is a this is a disclosure. This is a disclosure that happened in 2018. We didn't know about this this incident until a couple of years ago, uh, when uh, Steely Dan biographer Brian Sweet uh, revealed that uh, quote, or that uh, yeah, that uh, Roger Nichols was quote cut off without any notification or justification. Nichols was devastated to be treated in such a manner by his friends, and after 30 years of working together, fuck. No one knows. No explanation given. Not even to him. Do you think maybe they thought he did 9-11 and had to get him out of there? <laughs> you know, there was a lot of paranoia around that time. You know, yeah, like... they, everyone was like, you know, if you see something, say something. And maybe they saw Roger Nichols do like a weird sudden movement one time and they yeah. got spooked. I don't I, know. I think they saw Roger Nichols be like, yeah, I just got off the plane. And, and they made, you know, two, put two and two together. <laughs> and they, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, though, but... I don't know. I just how could you fire that guy, right? How how could you fire him when when they? <laughs> I can't believe we didn't bring this up when we were talking about this. But like, uh, so they go into the uh, the studio for Pretzel Logic, right? Right. Uh, and uh, at one point, they're uh, they're they're they find a huge flaw on the master tape for Ricky. Don't lose that number. You know the giant fucking single, right? And you know how they feel about master tapes getting destroyed and then, you know, never recording them again because the memory is too painful. So we could have lost Ricky Don't Lose That Number forever. Holy God. But Roger Nichols saves the day. He figures out that the flaw in the master tape is that someone spilled some mustard on it. I mean, anybody could have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Just straight up, just someone spill some mustard on it and then put it back. (laughs) And he fixed it, and then we have Ricky Don't Lose Our Number. He also tried tried his best with Katie Lied after they processed the master tape through a faulty noise reduction system. He saved it, although Steely and Dan never really fully liked it, but it's listenable now, thanks to Roger Nichols. Yeah. We could have lost that whole fucking album. I mean, Imagine it would, no would Katie Lied. What? Would have been fine, no Katie Lied. Yeah, it probably would have been fine. But still, I mean, like, how do you get rid... He, he created Wendell. He did. He That's his... He has a mouth to feed. <laughs> And Wendell Jr., two mouths to feed. Well, I mean, Wendell Jr. is, you know, Wendell's son. I think Wendell could have <laughs> taken care of that. Still, they're one big family. I don't know, just, I, I bring this up because I think it cursed the album. Really? Yes. Let's talk about Everything Must Go. We're going to talk about the first song, uh, The Last Mall. How do you feel about this? I think that it's classic Dan. We're back to it. It's like something like they were they were ahead of the curve with uh-huh. this fucking like, you know, malls are dying shit. The end of retail. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess they were probably starting just starting to die, maybe. In yeah. 2000, 2003. Yeah. Steely and Dan were like, look at this Amazon shit. It's crazy. <laughs> this is going to kill all the malls. We got to tell <laughs> we got to warn the people. <laughs> that is I think it's I think it's like nice and sardonic about something completely inconsequential. Yeah. What do you think? I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> and I disagree with all of your points. Oh. I think this isn't classic Dan. I think the lyrics are bad. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> the chorus is way too cheesy, even for me, the Steely Dan fan. You can't win them all. <laughs> this is one of the only songs in the discography that I liked less the more I heard it. Oh, damn. The first listen was fine. Today's listen, really rough. Don't know why. <laughs> I feel bad, but I just, listen, it's, it's 
I'm a music journalist. I have to be honest. That's true. You have to speak your truth. It felt kind of like... It kind of felt like a sitcom theme tune from the 90s a little bit. You know what? I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't know. Just a little... Just, I, I, I don't know. That completely makes sense. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just... I don't know what else to say. I didn't like it. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I'm interested because we, we have been disagreeing the most on these two albums, I think. Yeah. I, we're, both, you, we're generally usually. pretty aligned. Right, 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 right. I was shocked that we both didn't like Pretzel Logic. That's how much we're 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 in sync most of the time, the band. <laughs> but uh, now we're we're like out of sync. What yeah, the fuck? like also like the band. Also like the band. I, yeah, the last one. I can see where you're coming from in that it's like kind of chintzy. It's a little bit, yeah, and I think maybe that's on purpose because of like you know the subject matter. What it is, yeah. Yeah, like I get that, but like I still have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have some songs where I think the concept is funny, and then I record it and go, yeah, yeah. well, it's funny on paper, but people have to sit through this for, like, three minutes. I don't think that's fair. So right. I don't think this is that bad. Some of my concept sounds are really bad. Right, right, right. But, uh, and no one will ever hear them. Uh, but this, it's not that bad. It's just, it's like, <sighs> this is the opener? Yeah, like, this is what you can do? This is what you can bring us? That that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know, maybe things will get better uh, with things I miss the most. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. Is this really the most interesting way they could have written about a divorce? They're, they've done it in a million more interesting ways. It felt, yeah, like, things I miss the most. It just felt a little... It was a little Michael McDonald. Is this, yeah, is this, is, this, is this the Dan? Yeah. Where's the Dan of all this? I think that... Um, it's too slick for its own good. Yeah, yeah. I think that... It didn't like, earn it. It didn't earn the slickness. I don't think it... Like, the lyric, I, like, that's the thing. Lyrically, I already, these two songs are just like, what happened? You guys were, like, on it last time. This this song kind of lives up to the album. It's like everything. I've, it's almost like a closeout sale. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the Metacritic score was 71 out of 100, and I kind of agree. It got, like, universally, like, three stars. I feel like that's even a little bit high for me. I don't know. I what about, what did, what did, I don't really give a shit about Metacritic, but like comparatively, what did, what did the, uh, Two Against Nature get? Two Against Nature got, uh, give me a second. Yeah. 77. Okay. So a little higher. I uh, actually probably put it there. Yeah. And yeah. I think 71 for the other one, I think is too high. <laughs> a little too high. It should be yeah. in the 60s. Uh, I do like kind of like what they did around this album though. Uh, there was oh this... yeah, are you talking about their little uh, the taxi cab thing? Yeah, because it's fucking Did you watch nuts. That? No, I haven't seen it. I watched the whole thing the other day. <laughs> uh, it's it... really funny. So there's yeah, the, there's a DVD that came with the album called Steely Dan Confessions that is just an episode of Taxi Cab Confessions, the Skinamax television show. Yeah, the like the where thing... they like are fucking that... in the cab. They're in the cab, and then, like, so, yeah, they get some lady who comes in at some point, and she's like, oh my god, are you guys, are you guys Steely Dan? <laughs> and they're like, yep. <laughs> We're Steely Dan. Uh, it's, it's very funny. No, it's it's very funny. Um, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I like that better than the album. <laughs> yeah, I think it's way funnier than the album. <laughs> oh, oh. Man, I hate to, f- uh, this is their last, so far, album. The yeah. last one we're going to review from them. I feel bad that it's... I think it, I don't know, I don't know, maybe you'll get better I think 9-11 did something to them. I think 9-11, and fi- that's what I mean, it's like, they fired Roger Nichols, I think, I don't know, they were the special sauce. Yeah, yeah. Also, they did make a concerted effort this time 
And I wonder how much the firing of Roger Nichols was because of this or related to this in any way. But they were like, let's make this sound like sort of a live, more live feel. You know, we're always studio boys. What if we were live boys? Yeah, it does sound a little bit more alive. It sounds less... Um... Yeah, and like most bands who make that decision, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, give me that. Yeah. I don't think it turned out too well on this one. There's uh... one song that's really good. And I think we might agree on that one, but we'll get to there later. Yeah. Uh, is it Blues Beach? No. <laughs> no, no. I. You don't like Blues Beach? I it's, I think it's it's fine. Um... It really isn't, though, is the thing. <laughs> it's kind of bad. <laughs> Something something well, happened here. <laughs> something happened. So it's not bad until it gets to the chorus, which I think is some of the stinkiest fucking stink music they've come out with in their whole... Th- oh, God. Listening to this album is a long, sad Sunday. There's something about these... Like, this and The Last Mall have a similar song for a local business in a commercial kind of vibe. Right, I just... Like, like Blues Beach, the chorus makes it sound like someone is trying to sell me to go to some shitty beach <laughs> i don't know just... or some kind of shitty theme park called blues beach yeah or like water park fig- sorry and here's the thing i can't figure out why it's so different from the last album because is it really yeah is this what steely dan sounds like to people who don't like steely dan i don't think so <laughs> i don't like it just <sighs> i think they just weren't trying i don't know about that i mean i think they just didn't have like the chevy chase magic this time they lost all the Chevy Chase masks. Maybe that Roger Nichols was keeping it. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. He was hanging on to the... <gasps> yeah, because he was there all along, and then they fire him, and then they do this one. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I really don't have anything else to say about Blue Speech. I kind of think it stinks. Yeah, it's kind of whatever. Can we please talk about Godwacker? Let's fucking talk about Godwacker. That's what's This is the greatest song in the album, possibly the of all time. Word. Yeah. Um, This comes out of nowhere of how, like... You're uh, you okay? So yeah, last small things I miss most blues be. So that's three, three stinkers. And let's let's go to let me just look up the list here. Quick, 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 quick. I'll edit this part out. Yeah, last small three and a half minutes. Things I miss most four minutes, and then four and a half minutes. So that's that's a good chunk of time where you're just kind of like, oh boy, oh boy, these are some stinkers. Yeah. And then it hits you with Godwhacker, which I think is one of their greatest songs. Holy shit, yeah. Finally, some delicious fucking food. (laughs) As a concept, it is extremely goofy. An assassination squad whose only assignment is to kill God. It's a movie I would watch. I would watch the shit out of this movie, especially if this was the theme song, which it should be. Yeah. This is this is another song which feels like it's the theme tune to something, but it works. This it, time it actually works. <laughs> it works so well. Oh my god. This could have been presented to me as an Asia outtake, and I would have bought it. Right? Right? This feels like it could have been left off of Asia. This is such a sexy, like, real, like, slinky, like, dark alleyway in New York kind of night song. And that synth solo? Holy fuck. That, right? I don't... I don't get ASMR tingles for anything, but that shit gave me the tingles every time. I just have no idea how, like... How did this happen? Right? How did this song come out from this recording session with all the other ones? Don't... They don't sound like this at all. All the bad songs. Yeah, it's not even that just they're worse, but they don't sound like this one at all. Yeah. Holy fuck. I mean, and also, the way this song came about goes so hard. Uh, it's developed, uh, Donald Fagan wrote a bit of lyrics that was super blasphemous, he says, a few days after his mother died of Alzheimer's. 
So he's like super angry at God for taking away his mom. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to send an assassination squad to kill him. (laughs) And then he's like, you know what? There's a song there. And he was right. Um, Yeah, quote, this is from him. It's about an elite squad of assassins whose sole assignment is to find a way into heaven and take out God. If the deity actually existed, what sane person wouldn't consider this to be justifiable homicide? (laughs) That cakes ass. This is so, and that's the energy. That is the energy the song has of like, well, we're going to kill God. What are you going to do? Stop us? You agree with us, don't you? (laughs) You know, it's very like, oh shit. Okay. (laughs) Man, this, I, I want to do a whole podcast episode about how much I love God Whacker. Yeah. God Whacker the podcast. God Whacker the podcast. Picking up something God Whacker. Yeah. It's oh better than God. fucking slang of ages. You know what this, you know, you know what problem this album has? Yeah. Among many others? Sequencing. Yes. What is this song doing after God Whacker? I... It like the whole album, you, you like finally you're like, oh shit, okay, well, now we're getting started. And then the brakes slam to a halt, which I think does Walter Becker an extreme disservice because this is the first time on a Steely Dan album that he's done lead vocals. Right. So, uh, like, <laughs> I think putting this after Godwacker kind of makes it awful. This is, the... but then if you listen to it out of context, it's fine. Yeah. This is the first song besides Godwacker that I don't like think is actually stinky. I think it's a little bit of like the limp dick version of um of Cousin Dupree, but it's still <laughs> fine. Yeah, I I think uh I think putting this on anywhere else in the album um would make it make more sense. I think genuinely putting it after Godwacker, like if you're listening to it as an album, it really makes it seem like it, it's worse than it is. Right, it made it so much worse. Because it's just the tone it just clashes differently and it's so much slower. But it's a good song. I think, you know, the, the sort of talky, sceney thing he does is, is just like, you know what? It kind of works for me because then the chorus comes in and the chorus makes up for that. I love the chorus. And the bridge is super lush. It's good. I think Walter Becker should have done more vocals. Yeah. I think genuinely it's a it's a shame. It's an actual shame we didn't. we it waited, They waited till this long to put him on, on lead. Uh, I don't know. It's probably it was probably his choice, but. I don't know. I think he he had the he had the stuff. He had the stuff. I just wish it wasn't here. Another nice sax solo too. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's pretty good. I I, I think this is uh also com- like comparatively. I think the last small things I miss most blue speech. I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay, I can. Yeah, I can handle this. <laughs> right. Uh, you want to talk about Green Book? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about Green Book. All right. Do you want to talk about Pixley? No, I guess we should talk about Green Book. Uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I didn't like that movie. I thought it was a little, you know, a little bit of a. Slap it in the won face. Best Picture. Just accept it. I don't. I just don't think that that year's Oscars. Racism's worked. over. It's fine. They fixed it. They the movie fixed racism. Post Obama, racism's just, over. Exactly, and you're just you're just a real stick in the mud. Yeah, I'm just a real stick in the mud. I'm not a you know like I'm not a bad hombre like you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, no, let's talk about Green Book, the song. I'm not a nasty woman. (laughs) (laughs) This song never gets started, even when it does. No, it just kind (sighs) of... It's not as stinky as the first three. But it also doesn't really... It doesn't do... Does does this do anything for you? It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. I I feel so bad being so harsh, but, like, we gotta be honest. It's kind of like... I'm going back to what I said on the 
earlier album on uh, Two Against Nature, I wish they'd written some kind of song that like has like a dot com in it. <laughs> yeah, like I wish they or like writing some about sort Ethernet. of like or you know like a cell phone. Yeah, uh, I don't want to talk about this song. <laughs> Are you talk? You talk about it. You Pixeline? go ahead. Yeah, you you talk about it. I think it's really funny, at least. This song fucking sucks. It fucking sucks, but at least as someone who, like, lives in L.A., <laughs> uh-huh. this is how pitches go. Yeah, no, okay. So, okay, okay. here's... You th- I, I felt bad about being a little bit harsh uh, previously, but now I, I, I think this song fucking sucks. I think the, con- the concept... Like, I get it. Okay, it's about, like, this... A bunch of Hollywood pitch guys pitching like this crazy, unrealistic portrayal of the modern teen. You know, I think I think that you know, core... she's got a pager because like, the modern teens like from two thousand three, right? Oh yeah. Um, I, I but like okay, but I still have to listen to the song. The, the yeah, song no. didn't have to suck. The, on paper, it's a great idea. If you, it's so funny. If you read about the chorus, like if I had read this as like a McSweeney's article, it'd be way funnier. Yeah, uh, like yeah, so. <laughs> If you look at the chorus, it's like, panned by a hack in the Palisades, backed by some guys from Columbia, shot all in digital video for a million and change. That's so funny. Oh, it's so good. The whole thing is really, the whole thing works. Like, um, Pixeline, rave on, my sleek and soulful cyber queen. Yeah, penned by a hack in the Palisades, backed by some guys in Columbia for a million and change. And then, yeah, it's like, at one point, it's like... And then the verse. The verse is like the pitch of the plot for this whatever movie about this, like, cyber teen. Yeah. So it's like, it's sort of a mix of making fun of Hollywood. So they love to make fun of Hollywood. And then sort of, they sort of insert sort of, um, you know, an old man creeps on a teen kind of aspect to it. Yeah. Because that's, that's, the Dan loves that. Yeah. Uh, but but they're, sort also... of put, they're sort of putting that in the voice of the Hollywood guys, right? Yeah, but they also feel like they're trying to do the, the theme song to Pixeline. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Why do they keep writing theme songs? Pixeline, Girl with the Sweet Backstory, pitched in a trailer in Burbank, cast by a cool enough yes man, screened at a festival in Utah. The thing is, that's just yeah. how it works. <laughs> no, I, I do like that part, yeah. But, but also, but, like... But when you hear it, it doesn't sound good. Like, yeah. you, those lyrics are funny. It sounds bad probably, to hear it. Probably though. like this is where the, I was missing the sardonic Dan, and this is it's in here, but it's underneath a song that I can't stress enough. I desperately hate. Yeah, I really don't like the song. That I really feel like this album is like. Did you ever see that video? It kind of went viral like a billion years ago, but it was like, here's what English sounds like to people who don't, uh, yes. who aren't native English speakers. I and actually just, heard that the other day. Yeah, and it's weird because you you almost feel like you are going to catch some words, but you don't. Um, This really, this is the album, this is what Steely Dan sounds like to people who hate Steely Dan, I think. Right. It's like a lot of their worst impulses. (laughs) Oh, man, I don't like this fucking song, Mace. I hate it. It's not great. It's really not great. (laughs) Pixeline. Like, I get what they're doing, but like... It was like the concept song I was talking about earlier. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's a funny concept. Do you gotta make me listen to it? Yeah. I'm so sorry, Steely Dan. Yeah. Anyway, this this, this is like the the lowest point of this of this album, thankfully. I mean, no, with not much left to go. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's the thing. It kind of, you know, <laughs> you're sort of stuck with that taste. Here's the thing. Lunch with Gina is another one of those songs that is it's just... so L.A. <laughs> 
Yes, it's very LA. It's yeah. like okay, it is okay. You're not you're you don't live in LA, so this this is kind of like an alien, I guess, feeling. Yeah. Um, but we do this a lot. Lunch with Gina is about the thing people do in LA, where you know they see each other for the first time in a long time, uh-huh. and they say, um, they say, "Hey, we should get together. We should have lunch sometime." And like, yeah. it doesn't matter. That seems if, normal. It doesn't matter if you don't want to have lunch with this person or if you genuinely do want to have lunch with this person. That's just something you say. It's something yeah, no, you say. People and do that outside never, LA. You end up kind of like avoiding each other for several weeks. Yeah. And you kind of yeah. get mad because this person lives on the west side. You live completely on the east side. You're never going to get together because being on the west side is an entirely different state and city. And you don't huh. want to go there. And it's 45 minutes from here to the beach. And it's just, it's not worth it for, for <laughs> gas-wise. Right. Uh, that's what lunch with Gina is about, except sexual. <laughs> oh. Except it seems like the lunch is happening. Yeah, and that he's like trying to flake in the moment. Yeah, it seems like they were doing that thing, but then Gina actually got the lunch to happen, and he's like, oh, shit, this isn't supposed to be happening. Right. <laughs> we're not actually supposed to do this. Exactly. That's funny. Okay. And- I, 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 that's funny. Yeah, I didn't quite get the song. <laughs> <laughs> I it's, Again, this is also kind of fine. Yeah. I just hated Pixeling so much that whatever song they were going to put after, I was not going to be really listening to. This is like the reverse Godwhacker effect. The synth solo is fun. It's good. It's good. I like that. That was, uh, that actually, that, that sort of made me sort of perk my ears up, make me listen to it. The, uh, sort of, I don't know, like a, like sort of an electronic piano almost, but sort of sharper. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The B side to this album just is, uh, exists. And yeah. also the A side. And then everything must go starts and then holy shit. Yeah. I feel like they hit you with it. Like this is Wow. Like, yeah. Wow. That intro is For a amazing. last song? Holy shit. I... The first time I listened to this album, it was kind of rough because I, I mean, I really hated Pixeline like immediately and I wasn't really getting into any of the other stuff. Right. And so Everything Must Go starts and the intro hits and it's like enormous. It's like a wall, a wall of sound. And you, it's so, uh, it's so grandiose and big that I just started getting really sad because I was like, oh my God, wait, they're saying goodbye. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh no. Oh no. They... They know this is their last album. Wait, are they... Do they know that? Oh my god, wait. What's happening? It's so emotional, the intro, that you can't help but get kind of swept up in it. Right. It, it's just weird that, like, they, after this, just kept touring for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, that's... Because this feels like such a goodbye. Like, not... Just ignore the, the, the title, which is literally Everything Must Go, and the whole, the whole chorus about going out of business. Like... Yeah. Like, the, it's... It just the it feels like a goodbye, but from just the studio. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, did they know that this was going to be their last one? I feel like listening to this, they had to have known. But then why tour for a million years if you're not going to get back into the studio? Like, why? You know, maybe it was just I don't cheaper know. to to tour for fifteen years. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, anyway, this song, the intro, is very different from the actual song. But I like it. Yeah, it's, it's I don't a, actually hate this one. <laughs> it's a good it's a good I always think about what like if you had to write a final song in your discography. Oh man, yeah. Like, like if you had what, to write your goodbye. If you had to write your goodbye, this would be it. Uh yeah, if Animal Collective had you know stopped making music after Meriwether Post Pavilion Brother Sport would have been it. And um, that's probably not the greatest goodbye, but it's a good song. No, I think it's the greatest because it's just like, it's it's very, 
euphoric in that it yeah, it sounds okay, like the yeah. end of a parade. Um, yeah, I can kind of hear that now. And I'm I'm sorry, but I feel like the Beatles Abbey Road side B medley is the perfect goodbye. Like they knew they were done. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that that especially because they they knew for a fact that they weren't even going to be touring. Yeah, but that's why this one is so like it has this song has the same sort of finality to it. Yeah. But then for the next 15 years, they're just like doing their own thing. And like the whole time. Yeah. And they're just still a band. <laughs> it's, yeah. It just is. It's odd because this is really is like, it really does feel like, Hey, we know this is going to be the last song that we put out on a record. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. And they, uh, I think they, they nail it. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it gets you. It's a very emotional song. Um, Maybe they just wanted to go fish mode for 15 years. Where the fuck was this emotion in the rest of the album is what I want to know, though. Right? Like, like, oh my god, they just, they save it, they're saving it up for this one? I don't know. It felt like this could have been an EP. Like, a lot of things could be an email, this could have been an EP. <laughs> I yeah. And then Godwacker being on here is just so, that it's so out of place. Yeah. But, like, good thing it's there, because it's like, what else do you have to hold on to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got Pixeline to hold on to. No, I'm just kidding. Mace, uh, what are you picking up on this album? I'm pix- picking up the best song of all time, Pixeline. No, um, I'm picking up some kind of, like, disappointing. I am picking up a turd off the ground that the only reason I'm picking it up is because there's a little pearl on top of it, like a cherry on a Sunday, and that pearl is called Godwacker. Yeah, it's like, it's not, it's, it ends I, with a whimper. <laughs> I hate that this is their last album. Yeah. I feel like they could have flipped the the order and the- <laughs> yeah it would have been i don't know we still would have had to have this album but it wouldn't have been the last one i don't know it just <sighs> but of course i don't think any other album from now on would 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 really feel like a steely dan album because unfortunately yeah like we said after this album comes out it does not get any grammys no. If anyone is surprised by that. But they continue to tour. They tour just about every year. Uh, and uh, up until 2017, when uh, Walter Dan Becker uh, passed, passed away. away in uh, September 3rd, 2017. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. I think that um, Donald Fagan wanted to um, stop using the Steely Dan name. But I think the like, promoters were like, no, don't do that. Well, Partly that, and partly they had sort of a gentleman's agreement uh, uh, about the whole thing where whoever dies first basically would just control the band, right? Yeah. Did you know about this? They had the, I don't know if this was like a contract or this handshake agreement. Wait, whoever dies first would control the band? No, sorry. Whoever <laughs> whoever survives the man who dies first, I guess ah. is what I should have said. Uh, that makes more sense. Uh, sort of gets control of the band and uh yeah i think i think donald fagan i think had a little bit of like i don't know should i even do this and he went back into it and uh he's now <laughs> steely dan technically does still tour yeah but it's walter becker and his uh his group of uh of very good uh, session musicians but you know i think maybe that's partly why we have not even heard rumblings of a new dan album since 2017 because i feel like i could get one more in uh, just, but with no Dan, just just Steely. That's true. That's it true. Would, it would feel weird. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, his solo albums are good. Yeah, that's true. We still have that. 
in a note released to the media, it says, yeah, Fagan remembers uh, his longtime friend. And he says he promised to, quote, keep the music we created together alive as long as I can with the Steely Dan band. Yeah. Uh, he, he honored that, like, they had already scheduled a tour, uh, a short tour in 2017. And he was like, yeah, we're still going to do that. Um, in tribute, the first concert they played after his death, they, they, they performed his song Book of Liars. And then Becker's widow and estate started suing the pants off of Fagan, and that's been going on to this day. Which is kind of weird. I mean, if they had a gentleman's agreement, that's weird. Yeah, the estate says that they should control 50%. They should control Dan's shares. Fagan filed the countersuit saying that they had drawn up plans in 1972, saying that band leaders leaving the band or dying relinquished shares of the band's output to the surviving members. And yeah, like you said, he was almost going to retire the Steely Band steely dan band name anyway but like the tour that they already committed to and a bunch of other promoters were kind of like well you could also keep touring yeah however uh, a- yeah the year uh, the year afterwards they went off tours of fucking doobie brothers i would have loved that shit yeah that would have been great yeah. uh that would have been a good show i would have uh, gone to a- that now <laughs> yeah absolutely apparently as of uh, september 2021 the uh this legal battle is still going uh, with Fagan speculating during an interview that, quote, thousands of lawyers were probably involved. <laughs> so that's where Steely Dan is now. Touring, fighting some lawsuits, uh, reeling in some more years. They got, they got, you can go online and you can buy some merch. They toured the, last year. The Asia sweatpants, are they back in stock? They are not. Goddamn. Okay, then I don't care. Uh, the, you can buy a Can't Buy a Thrill t-shirt, a Seabat t-shirt. Yeah, okay. You can buy a 2022 tour t-shirt. You can buy a Steely how, how, Dan logo. Hey, 19. How, how much are the t-shirts? Uh, they're $25. Okay, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. So it's basically like a like a baseball shirt. The front says Steely Dan and like a baseball ni- logo. Like yeah, yeah a, I gotcha. That kind of cursive. And then in the back, it's like a like a like a team, uh, like a player. The player would be Hey, and then the number is 19. <laughs> yeah i like that okay i do want that shirt very much actually <laughs> well yeah so that's uh, we finally did it we made it through steely dan sember we made it to the end of steely dan sember and just in time like wow. we made it Oof. by the by the hair of our chin at the end of it's, the month it's 11 55 p.m on december 31st that's oh man just a couple minutes until the new year yeah we did oh, it Oh boy man mace i'm so glad we could we could have this journey through the dan I, uh, uh, we usually w- like to do podcasts about bands we know everything about, but it was fun to sort of explore, uh, the Dan. Yeah, you. something yeah. that we didn't know about, uh, together. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, relish that because next season it's going to be you telling me everything you know about a band to me, the unwashed mass. <laughs> exactly. Please, for the love of God, take a shower before we record the next episode <laughs> of picking up something good. I told, I lied to you. At the beginning when I said this was the last episode, because it isn't. Next season. Finally. I will be cramming down every single song They Might Be Giants has ever recorded down my best friend's throat. And he's exactly. going to die. And just it's like be cool. Completely just shoving it down my throat. Um, when I was driving once, I saw it painted on a bridge. Uh, Pusty season four, probably in a couple weeks. <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> We're very excited about that. We're very the excited. Steely, the Steely Dan thing, this was just warm up. Yeah, yeah, you thought this was good? Oh shit, uh, get ready. It was warm up because we forgot to do a real episode for like a year and a half. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
And then our last episode was like a let's play. <laughs> yeah. And then we <laughs> podcasting is hard. Yeah. But fun. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you very much for listening to the Steely Dan portion of our podcast. We, we uh, reviewed in, in great detail uh, everything there is to know about Steely Dan. We didn't miss a single detail. Yeah. Uh, we got everything. You think of, if you think of one that we missed. Uh, no, no, we didn't. Yeah, if you if you can if you have any corrections or any you know omissions, go fuck yourself. Go to hell. <laughs> Sorry, simply, skunk. Simple, sim- simple as. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been a, a Nikki and Mace production. I am Nikki Flowers, and that is Mace. Yeah, that's me. Well, do you plug yourself before we go? Yeah, so uh, I play music as Nikki Flowers. I do a bunch of stuff as Nikki Flowers. Actually, uh, you could check me out on Bandcamp, NikkiFlowers.bandcamp.com itch.io slash Nikki Flowers. I make stuff for computer now. Uh, fucking cohost.org slash Nikki is, is I post there. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Nikki Flowers. I stream there. I'm, I'm working on a bunch of shit, you know? Just, yeah. just, keep, just keep an eye on me. You've got your things. Yeah. Um, my name's Mace. Uh, I make music as Echo Vessel. Um, I've been working on an album called Cartoon, but you know, it's, been, it's been a pretty wild year um yeah Yeah. (laughs) so far um so it's coming it's coming it's just a little slow going because i've had a lot to deal with uh and it's not laziness this time it's uh, actual real things um you can find me online at uh at echo vessel on uh twitter or at echo three o's vessel on instagram you can also find me at my personal website um, www.kfc.com slash menu slash sandwiches slash double dash down dash combo. Oh, no, it's back. It's Why did back. you bring it back? I brought it back. Why? Uh, that is my personal website. God damn. Uh, you can order a Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning with a side of fries and a double down uh, on that website. Uh, I hate your website. You can go all the way up to 1,500 calories. Uh, here's the thing. I am so glad the double down's back. Um we live in an era of decadence, um, and I would just like to Do say, we? yeah, we live in an era of decadence. Before we okay. go, uh, yeah, before we slide into, yeah, the next, the, the Great Depression. This too. is our nineteen twenty nine, and you know, uh, I am really excited to do next season. Um, you know, we kind of, I think. We were like, ah, oh, damn, we got to cover the last two Steely Dan albums before we jump into They Might Be Giants. But, like, now we've done it, and now we can... Um, we're ready. Yeah. We're ready. Wipe and, our hands clean of the Dan. Yeah. Wipe our... We didn't know... We don't know anything about Steely Dan anymore after we press uh, pause on this. Yeah. I'm going to forget everything. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. We're going to lose that number. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we have a label called Neodetritus. Um, yep. Put on an album by uh, my good friend Summer, uh, FFOOFF, uh, called What It's Like couple weeks ago so uh, good still working on you know the the same thing that is happening to my personal life is affecting our radio plans and our <laughs> hey you know what happens listen we'll, yeah. we'll get there just keep an eye out for us we've got stuff that we deal with yeah don't you have stuff yeah have you done your taxes yet get off our back yeah go do your taxes anyway go do me. your taxes before you point fingers at us yeah bye-bye uh, no <laughs>